ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, it's time. The time you've been waiting for the return from summer hiatus of one of the most popular podcasts on the entire internet, says many people, including my mom. I'm talking about Dungeons and Diapers. Hello, everyone. I'm Crofton Sears. Uh, it is great to see all of you and for you to hear my voice, I'm sure. And with me, as always, uh, is Ryan Murphy. Ryan, welcome back to Thank Dungeons you. and Diapers. I, I have two questions. Does your mother listen to the show and does she like hit the fast forward button until we stop talking about video games? Is that... My, my mother does not listen to the show. Okay. However... Uh, when talking about podcasts, mm -hmm. she uses the fact that her son does podcasts as a reason for her uh, to be still hip and with it. You know, like she's like, oh, yes, podcasts. My son does those. He does one about the dungeons, you know. And um, and for, and you know, for reference, just because people might not understand this at home, your mother actually has a British accent. So you're not just put it. You're just not, you know, doing a deep fake here, right? No, actually, my mother has a New Zealand accent. Oh, I'm which, sorry. Uh, was that New Zealand? That sounded yeah, very well, like, mum, you know. Here's the deal, Ryan. Okay. I can't do accents. Uh, so um, the Good British age. is about no, it. Uh, no, that's not it. Uh, that's Aussie. That's band meeting? Enough. Band meeting? He was, uh, new, he was from New Zealand, wasn't he? Restart me? I He's still I, alive. I don't know. <laughs> I tell, all I know is that that uh, my mom doesn't listen to the show. Oh. And what was your second question? Oh, should we be providing timestamps for people who want to skip all the video game stuff? Uh, no, 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 of course not. This show is, you know, both both sides of of, of a very delicious coin. That doesn't make any sense. Um, you know, so you've got like the kids and the parenting stuff. Right. But it's about burying that with marrying that with like geek culture, and yeah, a lot of that is like video game stuff for for us. So if you don't like video game stuff, well, you probably should listen to another show. Yeah, I said it. There's a lot of like boring parenting podcasts where they don't talk about video games. So yeah, we're kind of like, like just filling the void that isn't the combination. There's like the work parenting podcast, like. All the work that goes into parenting without oh. the fun. I thought you meant like someone just goes on a podcast and talks about their work. I mean... Oh, God, that'd be the worst. I mean, like I work all day. I don't want to... And then I talk about work when I get home sometimes. So I don't need to have like a, a an hour podcast dedicated to... Well, at the office, Sherry, she just uh, sent out a mass email to everybody and did not but mean to. Do you work all day, Ryan? Because rumor on the street is that you are on vacation. I, I do work all day when I'm not on vacation. But when I was on vacation, I was on vacation. And the thing is, I'm back from vacation, as are you. Is what I was thinking you were getting at, right? Well, you're back. Yes. Right? Oh. You are working? Right. The second, no. But I am no, back but... to work. Yes, I understand. Okay. I am back next week. Yeah, see, you, um, I just saw it. You retweeted my tweet, and it says Crofton on vacation. And I thought, wow, he's still on vacation, people. How many five weeks? weeks? Five weeks? Five. Oh this is the fifth of five. And I know, again, like people throwing aspersions my way over that Crofton. Well, look, I'm not getting paid for this vacation. This is like leave without pay vacation. Mm. So, A... Don't cry for me, Argentina. And B, uh, the other thing is is that um, this vacation has actually been, while great, as we will get into this this uh, podcast, you know, parenting is hard work, son. You know, it is. That's what yes. I'll say. So, uh, so it's it's not just all uh, fun and vacation games. Uh, not what you think of as traditional, necessarily uh, vacation. Uh, yeah, we'll we'll certainly talk about it. I wanted to mention before we get into the dungeons that uh, Extra Life. It's September. It is officially September. That's when we start our Extra Life campaign for 2019. We try to we try to just shove it into the last quarter of the year because we're all so busy over at the Gamers Inn. But we do have our team up extra-life.org slash team slash the gamers in you can check it out if you want to play video games with us 
Uh, you can join the team if you wanna if you wanna raise money. That is for for Children's Miracle Network hospitals around the world. Certainly join the team. But if you just want to uh, sort of hang out and play video games with us, you can donate. You can watch us live on Twitch. We'll have more details in the near future, and I'm sure this show will be involved. I think this is our first year with this show uh, sort of active, so we'll probably. Where's this? I- yeah. I remember doing this. I I can't believe that this is back again. Like it feels like it just ended. No offense, Ryan. I uh, know it, like, it's something. It's one of those weird things. It always sneaks up on me, and this year was even more so because I feel like last year we spread it out. We did a lot of it through, you know, November, October, and and, and whatnot. So it'll be interesting to uh, to see. And someone's calling me. That's weird. Um, so yeah, Extra Life is going to be happening soon. No, like, core details, but the game day, per se, is November 2nd, which is also, uh, BlizzCon. So we usually avoid BlizzCon and then look at, uh, look at gaming the week after once Jocelyn returns. But we'll have more details in the near future. I don't really have a lot to talk about, but we will certainly be playing video games and we will certainly be raising funds, uh, for children's hospitals around the world i'm playing for sick kids which is out of toronto um so i'm looking forward to it this will be my 10th year can you believe that that's crazy but (laughs) i can believe it because it was my like 10th 10 year wedding anniversary just recently and i was like holy shit that doesn't even make sense a decade's a long time and then i realized oh no you know it does make sense because gwen's five so i mean that does you know so so yeah, t- time time goes fast, Ryan. I, I guess is what I'm saying. So oh, it uh, does. Good on you in raising money over ten years for for uh, sick kids. Thank you. That's uh, I think that's uh, I think that's cool. I I also think that um, that uh, the whole the whole thing is is neat how it works out, and I like that you guys sort of um, you know get away from the rush if you will and do it do it on a on a bit of a different day. I always thought that's kind of neat as well. So yeah, cool. Um, speaking of stuff and there's a bunch of stuff cause like we've been off, we've been on our separate vacations. We've been, you know, like I recognize that, uh, there hasn't been an episode for a while. So obviously there's a bunch of stuff that's happened both in terms of like our, uh, dungeons lives in terms of geekly fun stuff we like to do and our diapers, uh, uh, parenting, uh, activities. So, I mean, we won't be able to necessarily run through everything today but what do you want to start with i guess is my question to you ryan uh well let's start with the let's start with the dungeons because i feel like there's there's less to that than there is many a many updates from uh from our families so this is something i find interesting about the dungeons ryan because it it's been a while since we did our last episode but i do very much recall during that episode you had this sort of thing about like talking about fire emblem three houses Mm -hmm. and then i had this thing being like that sounds like persona and then ended (laughs) up ended up gushing about persona for a bunch of time now since that time my understanding is that i have bought fire emblem three houses and put in like like it's been my game of vacation. Br- brought it everywhere. Played a little bit. Like I'm very far into it. Would can, you know, ha- like sixty hours or something into, to Fire Emblem. Uh, and uh, meanwhile, you have started Persona Five and are playing Persona Five. So now we've kind of like switched roles, mm-hmm. if you will. So uh, you want to go first, or you want me to? Well, I mean, I won't have a ton to say, but I've played quite a bit. Uh, of persona i'd say i put like 10 hours in because i wanted to get through the first palace to kind of have a good chunk to talk about uh for the gamers in because this week on the gamers in i'm going to be joined by uh jim uh who's a big fan of persona as well and there were a couple people in my in my life who were saying like you gotta persona 5 it's great it's great it's like it's finally a sequel to one of our favorite series and i just kind of like you know what i don't it was one of those rare occurrences where I was like, I don't have time for a 100-hour RPG. I think it had come out right before Abigail was going to be born. Uh, and Caden was, you know, he was he was missing his naps, so he was starting to, like, transition to, a, to one nap. So that, you know, sort of decreased the amount of time I had to play video games on the weekends. So I, I skipped over on Persona 5, but then everyone who I talked to about Fire Emblem Three Houses is like, that sounds an awful lot like Persona 5. 
And uh, I finally got a chance. I brought my PS4 to the cottage. We rented a cottage, and we'll talk about that in a bit. But I wasn't sure like what the cottage would have in terms of like devices to watch TV for the kids, uh, and for something for Ashley and I to do while the kids were sleeping. Because that's another thing that you don't really think about <laughs> going on vacation with kids. It's like, wait, I have to stay here, so I need something to do while they're sleeping. Yeah, uh, yeah, or or like, you know. It's lights out at X amount of time and yep. you're in an enclosed space. Like, what the hell do you do? Yeah, no, I get it. And I know some people are like, oh, you drink by the fire. And it's like, well, you know, not a big drinker, not a big fire guy. And also it was raining a couple days. Anyways, I, you know, played some Persona 5 at the cottage, had a great time. And I got to say, it's one of those things where when compared to Fire Emblem Three Houses, because I've been playing a little bit of that as well, uh, kind of going through my second sort of second run through there's something about persona 5 the stuff it Wait, borrows what let, let me stop you for a second you have finished fire emblem it's all i played since it came out so in in the three weeks after it had come out i had finally finished it but that was all i was playing so you finish for, oh you know what you know what let i correct myself here because i'm amazed because i associate you as someone who plays a little bit of each game but has to jump to the next sure. one because you have the you have the gamers in right yeah uh you have a, a which is a, a show just dedicated to games but i forgot you also have a fire emblem show so mm -hmm. obviously fire emblem would be a major you know a major release because i thought that i would be further than you was my thought in fire emblem like, three houses yeah but, oh man but, no know, no okay okay that's great that's great so there... that means that when we get to the fire emblem part uh you will know everything that i'm pretty much i'm gonna gonna talk about but but go back to, per no, to persona i was gonna say when it comes to fire emblem three houses borrowing from persona five i felt like fire emblem three houses still has a lot of like it's, it's a lot to slog through like i think in fire emblem three houses there is that sort of metagame where you're running around the school talking to everybody and in Persona 5, maybe you can do that, but I didn't feel like the game was forcing me to. I was just talking to whoever I was talking to, and maybe it's just a lack of content, but I kind of appreciated it. Like in Persona 5, as I was going through the calendar system, like each day was different, and I was getting more content, and I was just enjoying that flow better than I was enjoying, you know, sort of the Fire Emblem Three Houses flow. I know it's all optional, really, but I, I just... I think with Persona 5, like it's it was different in the sense that the gameplay is different, the characters are different, even even the type of interactions that are happening, like in the first palace, uh, which is essentially the dungeons in the game, and you're trying to take out Kamoshida, who's a teacher who's, uh, you yeah, know... He's the worst. He's the worst. He's abusing and, and physically assaulting and sexually assaulting students and stuff. So you're, you're trying to sort of expose him and the way you do that is going through and you know it's very japanese and super confusing but essentially you steal his heart which makes him have to confess his sins uh so it's i mean i really like it and it's you, wild and weird did you get to the point where you have you finished that dungeon i did i finished the dungeon i stole his desire and i've, I've pretty much finished that chapter moving on to the next one which i don't know if you can choose who you go after but it felt like there was a choice there in terms of what you do first and i th i think i chose the ceo to go after next so uh i don't believe there is a choice there's like a oh who should we go after a celebrity or a ceo maybe it maybe it just it's one of those illusions and it's just like well if you choose celebrity it's like how about a celebrity ceo <laughs> you know yeah yeah i think that uh yeah i think something happens anyway but uh the uh that's that game, as you talk about it, I'm like, I'm like, oh yeah, I'm I'm, I'm remembering all these aspects of. Have you gone to Mementos yet, or uh, um, the, so? There's there, probably not. Uh, no, or, I don't think so. So bottom bottom line is like that game is divided up into uh, dungeons, mm -hmm. in which there's these boss uh, dungeons, uh, which are these people changing their hearts and all this. But where do you like? Where do you go? I guess when you're to level up or to, to get into combat situations when these dungeons aren't available to you and they introduce this concept sometime after uh the first one where 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 you go and you unlock levels of mementos and you go around and stuff like that oh so interesting there's, there's there's just a ridiculous amount of 
again, there's like a ridiculous amount of content in that game. And, and, and drawing the parallel to Fire Emblem Three Houses is like when I'd be walking around at the beginning, you know, every so often, you know, the, the, the art of those games is to introduce things at a, at a pace in which you're not completely overwhelmed. Hmm. So like at the beginning, they're like, okay, there's this and there's this. And then next thing you know, Oh, you can have tea parties, and the next thing you know, it's like, oh, you can get, you can do deliver training sessions, or you can go fishing in the pond, and then it just it escalates and it escalates until at one point you're like, holy smokes, there's a lot, you know, I've got a lot, there's a lot of variables, but I they drip, they've given them by drips, so mm-hmm. you're you become comfortable with them. Well, Persona Five was a, another great example of that, but you are still at the point where they're they're dripping, like definitely, and, and, and uh, you get like quite far in it and they're still introducing new concepts or new ways that you can spend your time and activities and stuff and you're like god damn it like there's there's a lot here like what do i what do i do but but uh i definitely feel um playing through fire emblem right now i see the i see so many similarities with uh with persona yeah and i think i think the similarities are really cool in the fact that they've taken what feels to me persona 5 or the persona series very unique and I think it's really hard to pull from a series that is this unique. And the fact that Fire Emblem has done it uh, is really cool. And I mean, Fire Emblem is one of those things where they were already had the character interactions, the gameplay based on support levels, all that fun stuff. But I kind of, I kind of really dig the way Persona Five has their support levels set up, where you're having your bonds actually unlock new powers. And I think so far the powers are very like static, and that you unlock like a. If you get to rank two with a character, then you get the the baton pass, which is really... I I love the combat, the way they've set up the combat in the sense that if you hit someone's weakness, it gives you another shot. So, frankly, you can go through battles and as long as you, you know, hit the right, you know, keys, you're able to go through it pretty seamlessly. And... I was, and I really like the layouts of the dungeons and that it's, it's not meant to be conquered in one day. You kind of, it's kind of like a, I don't want to say it's kind of like a roguelike or a road light, but it's, but it's one of those, you know? Yeah, I agree with that. And like, obviously the style and the visual flair is so impressive in that game, everything about, about it. it but one advantage it definitely has over Fire Emblem is that it doesn't kill off the characters, right? So yeah. like now I'm, I'm obviously playing, like, I don't know what difficulty you played Fire Emblem Three Houses in. I'm playing on a normal with the permadeath, yeah. but um, they make it so forgiving in the sense that you get this, uh, this um so for those who don't know uh, fire emblems this tactical uh, combat game where we have these characters in the units and you get attached to them they're characters like in role-playing games really like they all have personalities and all this but they're they're they become units on the field and if they die in 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 a combat well then they're with some exceptions they're permanently dead hmm. uh and what that means is that technically they're out of the game i imagine i say i imagine because no one has ever died because when they die i use this feature um that they've introduced in this one that allows you to rewind time Mm -hmm. a finite amount of times to rewind time to before they die and then i make sure that they don't die so where i'm at in the game nobody has uh died but i imagine that the whole game has to be designed for if any character other than the main character and some others dies, mm. how does the plot get rewritten? And I find that fascinating, although I'll never see it because I'm yeah. never going to. Well, the thing is, the, the, so first of all, like the rewind mechanic was put in in a remake they did for called Shadows of Valencia, which was the last 3DS release before this one. And I think it was a really good use of sort of a, a mechanic to allow people to play on the harder difficulties with the permadeath and still not feel cheated. Because sometimes yeah. you, you might have a character that's totally capable of taking a hit, but then they get critic, you know, they get a critical hit on them and then they die. And it's like, well, that's not fair. Like the guy had a yeah. critical hit chance of like 10%, the risk I weighed and I lost. Um, and also if you have characters die, if they, if they get killed in combat, if they're not story, if they're not critical to the story, they will die. There are some characters, and I don't know if this is the case in Three Houses, because again, I didn't have a lot of characters, you know, sort of die. You can sort of tell on their dialogue that if they're very important, but they're not so important that you're going to get like a, 
you're not going to get a game over screen. Sometimes they'll say like, oh, I'm I'm mortally wounded. I have to retreat. And then they're they're in the story, but they are not playable. Uh, And that was the case in some of like some of the more uh, the earlier 3DS games where if a character died, it's like, well, there was someone's sister or someone or part of the royal family. Like they're still around, but they're not you can't take them into battle. Because just pivoting to, to, to Fire Emblem a little mm-hmm. bit and talking a bit about Fire Emblem. So in Fire Emblem Three Houses, as is the title, you one of the big decisions you make early on, like it's like a Harry Potter school for, for fighting yeah. the game takes place in. You're a teacher at this school. There are three classes, the Hufflepuffs, the Gryffindors, the Slytherins, <laughs> whatever. And you choose one of them to be the teacher of, right? Mm. And uh, that's like the big decision at the beginning of the game. And it is, it unlike like some of the decisions in like a Telltale game or something, this is a decision that has a ton of consequence because it means that essentially you're pursuing a, a, a different story than the other than the other two. And in particular, you're aligning yourself with a leader uh, of that house, like a, um, a student that's sort of like the head of, uh, of that house that, that is going to have sizable story impact. So my question, obviously, for you, Ryan, is which on your first playthrough did you take as of the three houses? So on my first playthrough, I played through all the way uh, with the Black Eagles. Oh, thank God. Okay, perfect. So did I. I'm like, okay. I'm playing, I am playing the Black Eagles. I say that. Thank God, because there's so much that could potentially be changed that I just feel like it's going to – some of the questions that I have, it, it helps sure. that we've played the same game pretty much exactly. You know, And you've um, picked an interesting path that I feel you're going to – even as someone I, who hasn't played Fire Emblem before, you're probably going to be like, okay, what am I doing here? Yeah, there's been a couple of decisions. Like, So where I am in the game, just for just – for, uh, the game for, and this is not a spoiler, but it's, it's essentially divided into two halves. Mm-hmm. And so um, there's a narrator for each chapter that will say, part one, chapter, blah, blah, blah. Each White time. clouds. Then, yeah. Something moon. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, why moon. is that? Why do I need to know all that? But I, I do like the flavor setting for the guy uh, does. And, uh, but, um, but yeah, so, uh, so the first half of the game, um, it's fairly, uh, I don't want to say fairly the same between the three houses because I don't know that for sure, but it, it would be more similar than whatever the second the second half is. And I don't even know that the second half is as long as the first half. Part of me hopes it's not because, God damn it, I've been going for a while now. Part one is uh, long. Part two yeah. for this path, it, I found part two went a little quicker than part one. That's all I'll say. So I, I'm in part two. Um, I'm in part two right now. Mm. And uh, a, a pretty big chunk. Uh, I would say through part two. So uh, my question, going back to our original conversation there about characters and if they could permanently die, uh, revolves around, say, the character of Hubert, who is uh, essentially the right hand of the the main character, Edelgard. So the Edelgard is the leader of that house. And uh, she is sort of an assistant, Hubert. And he seems like so far he's been heavily in lots of cutscenes, lots of plot. Like a lot of it is involved Hubert. I just like if he had died in the fourth mission of the game or something or the third mission. He, like, yeah, like I'm, I imagine he's still going to be around like they're not going to perma kill him because otherwise I don't know how the story works. You know, I think like anybody who would die and disappear from the game would be the would be the characters. So, for example, there are there are group conversations with your class, and then yep. there are also like these paralogs, which allow you to go on mis- specific missions with specific characters. I imagine yep. the only characters that would die, like Hubert, wouldn't die. He would just limp off and then show up for cutscenes. Uh, other characters, like maybe Sylvain or Ferdinand, maybe like there's some lower characters that don't necessarily have as strong a plot influence and i think those folks would die they wouldn't appear in like the group class shots and they also wouldn't have their paralogs pop up is my guess okay because that's it like in 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 that makes somewhat sense to me because otherwise i don't understand how you'd write a game like that and getting back to persona one thing about persona that's great is like you know all these characters have these extremely 
emotional personal arcs uh and that's sort of a trope of persona where like they have to over each each of the characters to unlock their persona their ability to to harness their persona in every game they have to overcome something mm-hmm. um and uh but like if they one of the advantages fire emblem has is that it it, it works in a sense where the characters uh die until like you have to script accordingly i will say what's a little weird to me about fire emblem is is like the translation is super well done um the script is really well done the story is honestly very very interesting but both of these games are japanese animes essentially Mm -hmm. right like they're they're japanese animes which is immediately going to turn some people off and i totally understand that or it's immediately going to turn some people on and i totally understand that as well but the thing is uh, I find um, that Japanese anime lends itself better to certain types of stories. Like you're willing to go with it a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for me, I definitely go with it more on like the, the craziness of Persona and the, the fantastical Tokyo world that they're setting up it in that. Then a, a story that's sort of supposed to be about, you know, war and factions and all this sort of stuff. Like when, when the, when the highest ranked official of every army is like a 19 year old emo kid or something like that. At one point you're like, and, and, and the conversations they have about death and, and this and that, it's, it's just, it's not like, you know, it's not game of Thrones, I guess yeah. is what I'm saying. Right. I could totally see that. And I think it's been a trope of like persona. It's been a trope of the Fire Emblem franchise for a very long time. And that all the royalty is either evil or super young. And, I think that's just the way they like to sort of draft their characters. And the thing is, with Three Houses, it's even more alarming when in part one, and this is not this is this is not a spoiler because it was used in the marketing, but in part one, you're interacting with all the students, even the ones outside of your house. And they are all students. They're all quite young. They are graduating that year, but they're still like I'd peg them, you know, between eighteen and twenty, maybe maybe even some of them acting a little younger How- it actually uh it actually tells you you can look at the character yeah. sheets and it'll tell you everyone's age and there's like they range from like uh in the in part one because uh, again like it's not a big thing but they are older in part two mm-hmm. but part part one there's like 16 17 18 you know like there's some yeah. there's some young young like teens in in part one and you do feel it like in part one it doesn't like they are in school some of the stuff they're having you do in part one like literally kill bandits and do stuff like that and like solve mysteries like that's a little you know scooby-doo you know look away from the camera don't worry about the fact that these 16 year olds are being sent to their deaths but in part two i think the the a the the time skip that happens isn't enough you're right isn't enough to place them believably in an all-out war you know but that's Fire Emblem. Like, I've been with the franchise since the Game Boy Advance, and to me, that's just like, oh, yeah, this is Fire Emblem. Whereas yeah, in Persona, it's, it's like, I, I, I'm i I'm more capable of understanding what's going on in the sense that I don't kind of write it off because we're, like, there's literally a talking cat. But to me, like, that's not a problem because I've accepted the fact that this is a weird Japanese game with yeah, an RPG. Yeah, right, 100%. I, I and I'm like that as well. Just a little context on on Fire Emblem. Mm-hmm. So um, the uh, the thing for me about Fire Emblem is that it's really been my vacation game, and I made that decision early on where I was like, I'm I'm going to be away. I'm going to be moving between all of these locations. The Switch is the console for me during that time. Hopefully, like during my vacation, I'll be able to constantly play one of these big meaty games and really sink my teeth into it. I'm going to take a risk on this Fire Emblem game. Honestly, I'm really glad I did. I've had a blast. I really, really enjoy this game. I highly recommend it uh, to people. I think it's a lot of fun. I think it has a lot of tweaks that makes it, you know, a customizable experience for like hardcores or easy like i think if you're a hardcore you should start on hard mm-hmm. i almost wish that i had started on hard although at the same time i don't want to be repeating any battles like i want to i want to plow through it because it's so damn long yeah uh, but but the other th- the other thing about it so like we were in a cabin um in, in sandbanks near sandbanks which is a provincial park in ontario mm-hmm. uh, we had 
we've gone there for a second year, we can rent these cabins uh, at this place nearby. And our, the entire family is in a very kind of enclosed space. In fact, we will likely not go back, not because it wasn't great, but we were there for six days and that's a lot of time. Um, and so then like the kids are uh, to, to give you a sense of how small it is, like the walls don't go all the way up to the ceiling. So all rooms are essentially one room to a certain extent in terms of sound. So once the kids are in bed, uh, we had to, it was lights out. We had to turn the lights out. So that meant um, we could go outside on the porch. Or, like, there's a little porch. We could go around like the fire pit, but the bugs were pretty friggin' bad, right? Hmm. So we did that from time to time. Uh, but generally, like Jess would, you know, she'd read her book on her phone, which has a backlight, and I would play a game on my Switch, right? Which was Fire Emblem. So every night uh, I was able to... Uh, to advance and i will t i will say that i will have a fond memory of this game just because of that like it's attached with this vacation and and like going everywhere and doing all these things and like i really really like that mm -hmm. and because i played it mostly in handheld mode um and because of certain aspects of the game design i really kind of see it like a handheld game yeah um and uh, Ryan, you were saying you played it from the Game Boy Advance days, but like we're comparing it to Persona, right? And like at first, I loved, just loved the Garrig Mach. That's the name of the hub world. It's the universe. It's the university slash monastery. Um, essentially, every month you can go around and talk to every character. Yeah, in that that's that's in the monastery. There's a bunch of sub quests, a bunch of things you can do. Um, fetch quests in the monastery like it's a 3d world you're controlling your character you're running through it i was really into that like mm -hmm. uh and uh, it was like it, i found it made a nice balance you would do your tactical battles and then you would come back and you would have this cool 3d hub world where you would get to know your characters well like where i am now i'm just like oh I, i've run around that same university so many times and mm -hmm. it's like the same 3d environment and when you compare it to something like tokyo in persona 5 that i never like to bear in mind i didn't finish persona 5 but i never got sick of walking around and then going to different areas you know like yeah uh, that's it, it's weird i'm doing my second playthrough for fire emblem three houses and you're right like i'm totally noticing you know garrig mock fatigue and even in part two near the end of of three houses i was just like I need this to, I need the Garrick Mock stuff to end. Like, and there are ways, there are ways to get through it quickly, but in, for me as a completionist and, and a character. You can't do it. I can't do it either. I, I, I can't know what skip you mean. over conversations. It's, it's not just skipping over conversations. For me, it's like, you can literally, like, at the beginning of every month, you don't have to go into, you know, Garrick Mock no. and talk to everyone. You can literally just force it. Actually, I'm curious how, how much you could force through the game like without without running around Garrig Mach every month but I just can't do it literally every month I have to talk to everybody and they have these little um, indicators to let you know if mm -hmm. you have spoken to that person or not and until they're all gone I won't proceed you know and it's just uh, it's crazy it's crazy I'm not sure if I if I committed myself to a second playthrough I'm not sure that I would have that same level but right now it, it, it drives me uh, it drives me nuts yeah I, I don't know how much longer I will do the whole talk to everyone bit, but, but there is a reason to, like, if, if for example, it's a minuscule reason, I think it, it literally, like, just tips the scales a little bit, but uh, whenever you talk to someone, if you, sometimes you get an opportunity to answer a question, and depending on your answer, it can boost their support level. I don't think it boosts it very much, it probably is easier just to buy everyone cakes, but... Uh, yeah, that's exactly what I will do next time, is I'm going to start, like... Really, like if I want to build up these levels of relationships, I'm gonna I'm going to uh, build up cakes. We'll talk. We should talk a little. Uh, buy a bunch of presents and stuff their faces full of presents. We should talk a little bit more um, about Fire Emblem offline because definitely I I, I don't want to get into spoilers for people who uh, yeah. Uh, but I have a lot I want to talk to you about as somebody who's been down the road that I have. But I feel that like probably. Um, you guys get the the gist. I love Fire Emblem. I'll probably be playing it next time we record the show, and we'll cool. have like some final thoughts. Ryan, did you have any final thoughts on Persona before moving on? I I'm still I'm really enjoying it. I I found the groove in terms of 
you know, how to save and how to jump out and stuff, because that's always a big thing for me with games is like, this one has a hard save point, there's no auto saving. And, and for me, I just had to figure out a way to make sure I wasn't like getting kicked back to the title screen every time I wanted to play. But um, I'm really enjoying it. I I think I can commit to probably one more palace just to see how things go. But I'm really enjoying the characters. And I want to get to know some of the characters who have kind of you know, said like, oh, well, let's take care of Kamoshida and then we can sort of get to know each other a little more. And so I want to kind of see where all that goes to see how these character interactions sort of continue. And I'm also curious, like, if you could answer this, like, really early on in Persona 5, and it's been out for two years, so I, I'm comfortable w- with us talking about it. It's You get the four characters pretty quick in your party, and I love the way they kind of set that all up. It was really good. It, are there more characters that are added to your party, or do you stick with the four for pretty much the entire game? Uh, well, I can answer that, but first remind me who the four are. So you've got, uh, well, you got Joker, and then you've got Skull, which is the yep. the, the blonde guy, and then yep. there's Panther, which is the the first Anne, yeah yeah the first lady, and then uh, Lady On, and then you got Morgana, which is the cat. Oh, Morgana, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yes, you get you get several more characters. Yes, okay, uh, cool. and um, there there are like you know uh, several tropes. They need to give you a party to start with, but uh, for the next little while, every dungeon is going to involve somebody discovering their persona, right? Oh, cool. So like like in in the one that you just had, Kamashita, I think it was like everybody had Joker's, an issue with them. Every, yeah it, at the school but then it gets it gets it, it gets different um and yeah there's there's a couple of super main characters that that i you know ob- obviously um the next two dungeons in particular you get two like super important you know what what you would consider consider to be very important characters and then there's other there's other important character honestly i put in um a big chunk of time and you unlock like there's a fan f- a lot of fan favorite characters in that game, but there's a fan favorite character that I unlocked very late. And I was like, Oh, which is the way the game flows. I'm like this character I had seen like in cosplay pictures and different things. And I was like, Oh man, this is in this game. And it it was very, very late edition, but generally uh, you, you become also very apt at telling who it's going to be. Like you start, as soon as you start a dungeon and there's, there's, there's a person whose heart you're trying, trying to free, you're pretty much, there's somebody there that where you're like, oh, okay, this person's going to become aware of persona. Like you get, oh, you get, good- so you're introduced to new characters and stuff. Okay. Yes. And situations because they start moving as a unit, right. And start uh, doing stuff, but it is very, it becomes very interesting because like, as you know, from the narrative so far, there's flat, it's told in flashback, right? Um, yeah. That was it- really alarming at first, but I've, I've gotten used to it. Well, yeah, so there's there's uh there's obviously like real world like police investigations and 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 stuff happening at a higher level that let's just say when things keep happening with the same people it starts becoming, you know, relatively noticeable. So yeah. the fact that there's more people makes makes it make a little more plot sense, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh but uh, but yeah, I, I, w- I would say that there will be definitely be many more uh, characters, and uh, it runs very much um, in many ways like a t- I would imagine a television series. Like so, you've just watched the you know see, or watched played the the pilot. Uh, it was like the first season. Arc. It was pretty. It was pretty in depth. Yeah. Like there was a good yeah, yeah. beginning, middle, end. You know. Exactly, but but it's it's set up it's set up this group that's going to be like you know you 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 get what the concept is now and then they're mm-hmm. they're going to uh, they've explained the mechanics of issuing you know the cards and all all of that sort of stuff and it becomes uh, it becomes very interesting how that unfolds later on. I I just will say as a th- that was my second Persona game. So the first Persona game I played was this game called Persona Persona 4 Golden and it was the version that came out for the Vita and it got a lot a lot of attention and I think very fondly of it in the same way that I think fondly of Fire Emblem in that it was my portable game for vacation and all that sort of mm-hmm. stuff and I played exact very very similar 
to Fire Emblem. And uh, Persona 4 Golden is still like my top in terms of the, the, the Persona 4 series, perhaps because it was my first one. Um, but one thing that, that I really appreciate that they change in Persona 5 um, is in Persona 4, the dungeons are randomized as um, hmm. they have a theme, like they have a theme. Um, and a music and all that everyone is distinctive in that regard but they are then randomized in the way the diablos dungeons are randomized uh it which sounds may sound appealing but is really not is yeah. so you're running you're running around halls and they all kind of look the same and all that so the dungeon aside from the boss at the end of the dungeon the dungeons themselves are not really that great in persona 4 but in persona 5 they're all handcrafted yeah and that that is a big deal like it it may, it means like I'm not sure I was even able to play another game like Persona 4. Like it really felt like oh god I can't do another whole bunch of these these dungeons. But Persona 5 is 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 really polished in that regard. I I'm really digging the handcrafted dungeon uh, that I played the the first palace. So I think it's it it works really well and and leans in on the whole like taking multiple days to plan your route through the. It all comes together at the end, and you really feel it. So I think folks who are fans of Persona 4 and the way the dungeons were set up, uh, just the handcrafted is just... I understand the appeal of doing randomized. I totally get it, but it takes a lot of work. Uh, probably more work to set up a randomized dungeon as opposed to setting up a handcrafted one. So uh, especially to do it right. But, and you'll uh, be yeah. able to compare the two because Mementos, which is that that world I told you about, is randomized. So you will see, oh, that's and cool. it's ver- it's very much set up in the same way that the Persona Four dungeons were. So, uh, um, you know, but and you'll see that it it, it doesn't have necessarily the same uh, same appeal. So moving on into the the diapers, um, I just will say that Ryan and I both a lot of vacation uh and a lot of stuff happens and i think that we both came to the same epiphany before the show (laughs) um that vacations with children and family are not necessarily like when you think the word vacation you think relax you think i feel good i feel like i'm getting a moment a time to lay on the beach or whatever and uh with kids young kids in particularly that's not necessarily the case i don't know i don't want to speak for you ryan maybe maybe you're like i don't want to i don't want to i want to preface this conversation with the fact that i really enjoyed my vacation and i liked vacationing with my family but you're right it's very different specifically as as a gamer and someone who enjoyed you know consuming media and video games and all that fun stuff vacation to me was always i don't have to do the thing that i have to do every day now I get to just I get to do the stuff that I would do in the evening, right? Like so, for example, with school, when I went when I went home, you know, to, to I'd play video games, or when I was off school, I'd play video games, right? So same thing with work. Before I had kids, like a day off would have meant oh, I get to have breakfast whenever I want, go play video games, and then go have lunch, and then play video games. You know, like that was the way vacations were kind of set up. But now with with family, it's been really nice because honestly, I had a very busy summer. I work for parks, so it's very busy in in the in the operational season. Um, and taking a week off was really good because honestly, it felt like I really haven't been spending, you know, I've been spending time with my family, but not, you know, two hours a night, and then on weekends, it's not the same thing. And Ashley it's works not Saturdays, so quality time per se. No, I yeah. I totally get it. So it's been it was really nice, and I think I think it wasn't maybe my idea, but it was. I certainly said to Ashley like when we were planning our vacation. I said we need to rent a cottage, we need to plan it in advance, and go for. I think we were gone for three nights, which was kind of perfect. Like it wasn't, it wasn't too short. It wasn't overstaying but i think think we could have done one more night now that we know the area because like the first day we were kind of getting you know settled the second day we're like okay we're in the groove and then the third day is like we got this and then the next day we had to go home i think one more day there kind of like knowing and we got a cottage so you talk about living in a shack like even though we got a cottage and we knew there was a bunch of bedrooms there was still that like strategic conversation of like okay where does everybody sleep? Well, there's an upstairs room, but now Caden wants the upstairs room because that's how kids work. Like, oh, I want upstairs. 
you know so we had to you know well eventually we had the epiphany oh we'll put abby because she's in the crib she can go upstairs doesn't matter she's not going to touch anything and then we'll put caden beside us this way if he wakes up in a strange place we're just literally right next to his room and he can just walk down the hall so it kind of worked out but we got real lucky in the sense that when you rent a cottage on airbnb you've only got like the staging photos which are meant to make the place look as good as possible and it was a very nice spot but like logistically like the living room was in the middle of the house and the ki- the bedrooms were all scattered around and then it, and then the bedrooms downstairs were all connected to a bathroom so like it's like it's like strategic like tactics like okay where do we put the kids so ashley and i can still you know enjoy our vacation once they go down and you talking about everyone living in a shack for six days like that sounds really tough <laughs> You know? it, it it honestly was, and and I will say the shack is very is very small, like, mm-hmm. it, it, and uh, and yeah, like it was, it, I you know I'm not saying I want a vacation from my family necessarily, but like I I was <laughs> okay. kind of hope I was kind of hoping that this week it would be uh, you know kids start starting back at school like Gwen was supposed to start sk it turns out she's only doing one day this week it's friday uh so i get like i'm gonna have like one day off at which which is like which is fine it's nice being back home but like for us we went we did six nights in like in this shack and that was a like having taken that five weeks off you know um i think that that we got so caught up in like getting the five weeks and, and we didn't spend enough necessarily time planning what we, what a hundred percent what we wanted. Cause we had errands, obviously things that we needed to do as well. I think we've done pretty well on that, but I, I think that, um, uh, you know, you were talking about your sort of how things were vacation, right? Mm-hmm. For, for me, how things were was I, I have my, my my i i jesse and i would travel a lot we we like to travel often you know even out of country like we if we had vacation we would go on a trip somewhere and uh um you know this the, the trips that we go on now are much more local mm-hmm. uh because traveling with kids is murderous often uh and so uh so that that's one thing and the car rides were really bad uh especially early on before the kids got really used to the car um which happened, so don't lose faith when you start start your chips and your kids are just because <laughs> my kids weren't aren't used to driving and so uh, it, once they got in the groove uh, and Clara was able to nap in the car things got better but I just it, it what I think that we're looking to do right now as having a young family is set vacation traditions uh, and. Um, I think we need to think long and hard. We both realize this about what we want out of our vacation traditions because this is the second year we went back to the same place, but it wasn't a place that we chose originally. Like the whole Sandbanks area is beautiful, but this place in particular we chose because our friends were going there and we, we tagged along last year. And then this year they weren't able to go and we went anyway hmm. um, in the, in the idea of like, it's easy. We could book it quickly. We know sort of what it's like. But situations changed so much from last year. So last year, I had a baby in Clara who just lay on a blanket and like was really easy. And Gwen, who is who is young, and there's a play structure in between all these shacks. She was on the play structure all the time with her friend from the other family that didn't come this year. Mm-hmm. So this year they weren't there. So Gwen had no one to entertain her, and Clara was now just the age to climb but not safely so parents needed to spot her all the time so it was a lot of work so we were i was always like one or the other of us was spotting the kids and trying to be sure clara is not on suicide watch or whatever we're gotta gotta be sure that (laughs) she's not teetering oh look she's teetering on the top of a play structure that's barely safe to begin with and then um and then Gwen is like, I'm bored. I'd like to to go down to the beach. I like Daddy. Mm-hmm. I want to do this. I want to do that. And so, you know, there, it was just it was a it was fun. And like, if you look at still photos of the trip, you're like, wow, it looks like they had a blast. <laughs> but, but, but in in reality, it was you know it was just really really tiring. And then we were like, oh God, it's bedtime. Thank God. Yeah. And they would they would go down, and either we would go to sleep pretty quick, or we would like sit in the dark in the quiet. <sighs> with our with our in the blissful quiet with our devices yeah. and stuff like that so 
I mean, it's it it is it is interesting, but I think that a lot of it comes down to planning and um, uh, like just what you guys did, Airbnb, and you you got a cottage, and mm-hmm. yes, it wasn't exactly up to spec, but I guarantee it was better than this shack that we were in. Just took a little, like if we had just done a little bit more, and I think Gwen and I, uh, Gwen and I, Jesse and I both recognize. Um, you know that for the future and uh like it was the same in the winter we didn't have our passport set up so we couldn't go um overseas and uh and or go down south even to the states uh during the winter and so we you know like again now we had our passports this time but we decided to you know stay local so it's just one of those things like planning will make all of this easier and and so it was it was a bit it was a bit tough i don't want to sound again i don't want to sound like i'm ungrateful for the time off i had i just am like i'm i'm we're both really tired right now and we're near the end of our vacation and shouldn't we not be tired you know isn't that how it works i think like that it's certainly something that happens i think when you have kids and you've you've got a you're not so i i even feel that way sometimes like I'm, i'm at work all week and then I come home on Saturdays and Ashley goes to work. So I'm home with the kids. And then I'm come, And that's a lot of work. It's tiring. And then... But it's still enjoyable. It's still fun. It's great to be hanging out with the kids after being away all week. And then Sunday, Ashley and I have the kids. But it's not... It's not... It requires energy, right? It requires energy. And a lot of people, the way they think of vacation is, is the opposite. Where it's... Vacation is... Yeah, it's going to require energy, but not exerting the same amount of energy that you would during the week like the uh, the point of it is to relax and i still like i still try to when i go on vacation with the kids i i do i do make a point of stepping away from extracurricular stuff that i have so i will you know put out of office on my personal or not out of office but i'll you know i'll try not to monitor my personal email you know i'll let people know i'm going on vacation that may be expecting a response i make sure my podcasts are sort of you know, either on uh, on break or have a guest host. We had a guest host on Gamers In last week. And I think that's really important for me f- to be able to relax because I'm playing with the kids all morning and, or, and all day, and it's great. We had a lot of fun. Uh, but then in the evening, it's like, I don't have podcasts. I don't have, you know, a bunch of house stuff to do. I don't have to take care of, you know, making sure everything's put away nicely. We can kind of just, like, take it easy, like, take the 15 minutes to clean up and then do whatever we want right within within the cottage and i gotta say you know ashley did a lot of planning she did most of the planning i basically helped by looking at photos picking a picking a cottage and then picking a week that was available but because we booked so so late in the season quote unquote we booked in like marchish april so a lot wasn't available and we had to go end of august which wasn't ideal for my work but again it was it was like no i, I need the vacation but uh, the, the, from the planning perspective, like we had a cottage and there was like a beach down the road. Then there was another beach further down the road that was a little bit of a further walk, but there was a playground. And then we went to a provincial park. So we went to that for the day. And it was a lot of fun and the kids really liked it. You know, I, have, I can't tell you the last time I actually went into like a lake and swam and had fun in water like water and i you know we don't usually get along in, in the sense oh, that yeah? it's not something that i I'm, i don't want to swim i just i'll put my feet in that's fine i love uh, that i'm big on water i'm 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 a water guy like yeah. i'm well, yeah. we had fun and the kids really liked it and i don't feel comfortable with the kids going in on their own it's it was lake simcoe it's big you know like if they go out you know they're going out so i made sure that i was in and, and Caden and i and abby were having fun we, we ended up building like a like a sandcastle and stuff. And, and I mean, if I really had to, if there's one thing I learned on this vacation that I will do differently next time is, uh, we won't go to a restaurant as a family. (laughs) That was a mistake. So Abby was turning two, uh, last week, which we'll probably talk about next or or next episode. But we did go to a restaurant. We said we were going to go out once and we all went to the restaurant as a family well, the kids wouldn't sit still. The kids wanted to run. Caden saw stairs. So he's like, well, I want to go upstairs. And it's like, well, there is no upstairs. It's it's closed to public. Like, we can't go up there. And they wouldn't sit still. They wouldn't eat their food. They wouldn't eat the appetizer. And I just said to Ashley, like, next time? We, the food was really good. But next time, we'll put the kids to bed. 
one of us goes to the restaurant, gets takeout, comes back to the cottage, and then we'll actually enjoy our meal in peace and quiet. And that was the only negative about about the trip in the sense that we uh, we forgot what it's like to go to a restaurant <laughs> with a three-year-old and a two-year-old, right? Because they oh, don't yeah. sit for- still. Oh, for it's funny because like uh, maybe we were lucky in that regard. We, we go enough to restaurants and, and and generally like Clara will do a walk around now and she'll smile sure. at people and wave or whatever. But Gwen pretty much sits down and does the kids menu, whatever that yeah. is, with the colors and stuff like that. And then when she's done, she'll ask for three more kids menus and they'll just bring them out and she'll work on those. <laughs> so 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 definitely not not a not a hard and and I went to, as part of my massive vacation at one point i went to the museum of science and technology here in ottawa with my uh with my um friend mike and his his son and uh who's the same age as gwen and it was just funny because like it it makes me recognize like a little how a little five-year-old girl can sometimes be a lot easier than than uh, a a boy because mike was just chasing poor ivan you know (laughs) well ivan's running and ragged climbing on things and all this and gwen is gwen is just walking behind her uh, behind him and saying every once in a while being like ivan shouldn't he's climbing on that and i'm like yeah no i (laughs) Uh, I, I know it is, uh, but uh, but but yeah. So it's it it is not not all kids are the same, and and, and no. uh, so it it definitely depends on the situation. But I I, I can completely uh, appreciate that. I know that that for for um, anything with a kid is taking a gamble. Like if you're mm-hmm. going to the restaurant, if you're going on a driving a trip, if you have a day trip plan or a day a day event planned that you think is great you know and that's one of those things you can't over plan your vacations um and uh, one of the things that we i mentioned how we would travel uh, what what i would deal with and it's not it's like kind of traveler's guilt you go on a trip and you're like okay i'm i might only be in this place once i need to see everything that there is to see about it you know like like um when we were in venice for our honeymoon Hmm. uh I was like, uh, the gondola ride is like super expensive. Okay. It's like, you know, I think it's like, it's over 200 bucks for like a a 90, maybe a, not even a 90 minute. Like it's like a, it's an hour or less than an hour ride. I think it's, it's, but it's like, it's a lot of money, but they Hmm. know that people are going to pay it. Right. They know like where else can you're in Venice and like, no joke. Like as soon as we got back and we're like, Hey, we were in Venice. What was one of people's first questions? Oh, did you go on a gondola? Like, I'd be like, no, I was too cheap to go on a gondola on my honeymoon. I'm like, I'm sorry. And like, so we went on the gondola. It was fine. Like it was good, but we'd walked all over, venice we'd seen a lot of the places the gondola went there's really not much like it was kind of romantic but the guy was on his cell phone sometimes you know like so so it's it it was it was like not it but i felt that i had to do it right right whereas with with kids you kind of that pressure goes away a bit you're just like you go somewhere and i don't feel like i need to see everything anymore like all of a sudden it's like i just got to be sure that these kids have somewhat of a good time and don't kill me you know like that's pretty much what i so i do like that aspect of it and um i i feel i feel less pressure the only time i felt pressure was we went to my father-in-law who lives in sherbrooke which is in the eastern township so it's about five out four four and a half hour drive and i had found out that there was uh, the world's biggest arcade a uh, video art game arcade is in hmm. new hampshire two hours and a bit from her dad's place i had never knew this before i was at work one day and i just googled largest video game arcade in the world <laughs> as i want to do yeah and uh and uh, yeah, sure enough, there's one in New Hampshire. Uh, it's the one featured in the documentary uh, King of Kong. Uh, oh, neat. King of Kong or whatever. It's where they, they set a bunch of red uh, world records and stuff. It's in Laconia, New Hampshire. And I thought to myself, damn, I'm like, hey, that's that's near Jesse's dad's place. And I had never gone there. And I'm like, well, we'll go on. Like, what we'll do is we we'll go to Jesse's dad's. And then after a couple of days of visit, we will do a road trip into New Hampshire. We'll go to the like up Mount Washington. You can drive up it, and we'll go to um, we'll go to the arcade and stuff. And there's some kid friendly activities around there, and uh, yeah, it's, it will be great. We needed to get our passports and all that, like, and we had gotten them, so we were 
we're all set, all set to go. But like Ryan, this is at the so we've done the 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 six days in the shack in Sandbanks, which is again it's five hours away on Lake Ontario. Now we're going. We had maybe a day to recuperate before we had Gwen's fifth uh, fifth birthday party, which I'll talk about next week when we're talking about birthday parties. Um, but that required insane planning to get her to get her birthday party together very quickly. And then we left to go to see Jesse's dad while we were visiting Jesse's dad. It was a great visit, but um, a lot of us got stomach flu or, mm. or some stomach sick, sick. So we were just starting to feel better. And then we did a bit of visit and then it was time to go. And this was the time where I could have said, Hey, you know what? We should do that thing to New Hampshire. Right, like a member, I wanted to do that thing. We could, we could go there, but I looked at the faces of my tired kid, kids, and exhausted wife, and was like, <laughs> "Fuck it, let's just go home." <laughs> and uh, and so so we went home. Now I'm off this week. Like right now, this week I could have been touring around like New Hampshire or something, but at one point you got to know your limits. Uh, and uh, I was like, "Yeah, my family is at its limit." Like, uh, so there'll always be another time. And next time I will plan out the whole trip to go to that area that are hopefully that arcade will still be in business. Yeah, I think I think you're right. Like knowing your limits. And I think that's where with this vacation, we kind of know we kind of have an idea of how this can work for the for the foreseeable future. Again, like once the kids get a little bit older, we can, you know, expand our horizons a little bit. But like where we were sort of near Sutton, Georgina on Lake Simcoe. There wasn't, you know, those touristy trap type places like the largest arcade or, you know, the biggest mini golf place or whatever. It was a couple restaurants, um, some very cool core downtown areas where we just didn't need to go because we had everything we needed and just a bunch of beaches and a bunch of playgrounds. So like that's every day we went to a different beach and it's all on Lake Simcoe. So again, they were all really the same, but they just had different features you know different i feel like lake simcoe somehow is paying you they're like oh we were on lake simcoe where every day is a new beach <laughs> it's so great well, yeah it doesn't have the world's biggest arcade but it has the world's biggest amount of fun at yeah. lake simcoe you know like, well technically uh, i'm doing my job because lake simcoe is actually on the trent Severn waterway but oh, you know it was well, weird so it it comes out no uh, it was weird technically i was still like within it's hard to get away from work because it's all well, it's all cottage country, it's all lakes, it's all rivers. So uh, again, it was kind of interesting being out there and, and experiencing a new part of uh, of the region. But yeah, we, we had a lot of fun and I, I think uh, we'll definitely do it again. Like I said to Ashley, I, I think one day we were up to like midnight and I rolled over and fell asleep, and but she couldn't sleep. So she was looking at cottages for next year, you know, because if you book now, you can get, you kind of pick the litter. So, right, right. But yeah, no, I, I, I had a great time, and obviously, I've got See, some other stories for next next episode. She's organized. She's organized. That's what you need. You need somebody like an Ashley. She's, she's gonna... very organized, and again, like she did a very good job at picking a location that was like where the beaches, where the playgrounds. That's all we need for the kids because we were there for we were there for as a family. We weren't there to like give Ryan video game time or give Ashley puzzle time. Like we we got to do that in the evening. But during the day, it was more about what we were doing with the kids, which was great. I had a, a blast, you know, building sandcastles and, you know, tossing buckets of water. And oh, we had we had a really good time. So thanks, Lake Simcoe. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, I'm just <laughs> that's I'm, pretty good, though. <laughs> I should pitch it to them. I'd be like, hey, Lake Simcoe, there's a beach around every corner yeah there literally is there is no corners on this lake brian it's all round it's all round it's true i find that this episode has been really symmetrical (laughs) because like both of us have essentially learned the same lesson from vacations and and family (laughs) about about planning and uh, about uh you know how vacations with kids are sometimes more tiring than 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 work itself mm-hmm. and then we on the on the dungeon side persona and fire emblem are like opposite sides of the same sort of coin and all that and we both sort of dug into our big sort of like summer summer geek project so so yeah i feel like uh, while there's more to unearth here this was a good comeback episode for ryan and crofton yeah no i really uh 
I really had a, a good, it was a good episode. Do we want to end it on like maybe one piece of feedback? We've got some great feedback in the, in the, in the queue here, but I think sure. if we want to talk specifically to uh, last week's episode where Neil on Twitter said, great last, last episode, week's episode, last month's episode, because yeah. it's September now, uh, great last episode of Dungeons and Diapers. I was laughing hysterically hearing about Crofton's Breath of the Wild experience with his daughter. Brings me back to the time I first discovered the wrath of Zelda chickens. So you had a, you you were showing your, uh, you were showing Gwen what it's like to kill chickens in Breath of the Wild, right? Yeah, it's too bad. I think we're dropped. Thanks for the feedback. First off, I'm glad that that the experience made someone other than Gwen laugh hysterically. <laughs> uh, but but I will I will say that that I think that we've dropped off Breath of the Wild, which is too bad uh, because uh, you know I just felt that that would be the gift that would keep giving for mm. uh, you know it's just so long. But but yeah, Gwen has not expressed any sort of renewed interest to, and and I think like that that whole freedom of exploration, so many variables thing is like, it, it she needs I think more of a guided experience, and I I need to recognize that and 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 maybe uh, fall back on some games that are a little bit uh, simpler. I may have overreached on that one, so well, we Link's see. Awakening is in a couple weeks. Yeah, you know what? That may be, and that'll give me a good reason to uh, shell out eighty bucks Canadian and 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 buy it. I don't regret deals. the eighty dollars for Fire Emblem, though. I tell you that. Yeah, I'll be interested to hear how long Link's Awakening is, but uh, I could go for a like a twenty-hour, fifteen-hour experience. That'd be fine. I'm, I'm cool. I, with that. Like it's so funny how spoiled we are now, just because like Link's Awakening, I was an, I I didn't have a Nintendo or a Super Nintendo, but I had a Game Boy, mm-hmm. and uh, Link's Awakening was like the the game that that I most remember gave me that experience that other people talked about that Zelda experience in in the palm of my hand because the Mario at that point I hadn't really played a Mario I I, I only had Mario Land one, which is a completely weird. Mario, it is. Um, yeah. But but Link's Awakening is is like uh, because of nostalgia. It like you know I would I would put it up there with my favorite Zeldas because I I really uh, I got every piece of heart and I don't do that necessarily in 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 Zelda games. Uh, I play like because I'm trying to get every squeeze every ounce of juice out of this thing, right? Mm-hmm. But I I don't believe that it's very long. Like I. I you know, it's a small map. It's a small, uh, like it had to be a smaller experience, and it's it's dense in that there's a lot er- hidden everywhere. But my my impression is that the game itself will not be as long as you think there. With and I think like I think it's going to be like an eight hour and you're done type deal. And uh, however, it does come with this new dungeon feature, like make your own dungeon, and that mm-hmm. will be the. I think the tail of the tape will be on h- how much mileage people can get out of that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but to me, that looks like a pilot for some sort of Zelda maker. Like if it's a hit, they'll be like they'll release a full game that's that's more fulsome with that sort of make a dungeon type thing. I'm all for that. I think that would oh, be great. Surprise, surprise. Yeah, I know. Nintendo fan. All right. Well, if you, ladies and gentlemen, are fans of the Dungeons and Diapers podcast, well, you can visit us on the web at tgistudios.com slash dad. You can email the show at dad at tgistudios.com. Uh, and if you provide some feedback, have some questions, we will read them on air, as we like to do. Um, you can do the same with Twitter. So just tweet at us. You can find Ryan at rmurphy and myself at at Crofton Steers. Uh, so let us know. Give us your feedback, questions, comments. Um, and with that, we are back. That's going to be it. But we will be back next uh, in the next two weeks as uh, with a new episode of Dungeons & Diapers. Thanks for joining, it, joining us, everyone. Have a great couple of weeks. See you. Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody.